Welcome back to Brojo Online. Today we're going to be talking about Nice Guy Syndrome again. And we're going to be talking about a specific bias that haunts the people pleaser and the nice guy. And I've been struggling to find the right name for it, but I think the best is just correlation bias, which is mistaking correlation for cause. And in the case that we'll be talking about today, nice guys often mistake what caused the results that they got and they give credit to being nice when actually nice should be getting the blame for everything that goes wrong that's what we'll be talking about today this is brojo online masculinity confidence and integrity so i'll start by pointing out the kind of great crisis that there is with nice guy syndrome people-pleasing syndrome, whatever you want to call it, is the self-sabotage, which is essentially in their attempt to get what they want. A nice guy usually does exactly what guarantees they won't get it. And in order to prevent things from happening to them, the strategy they use guarantees that those things will happen. So they push away what they want and they pull in what they don't want. And yet they feel like they're using a strategy that should work. So classic examples, guys want love. They want career success. They want to feel good about themselves. And their strategies will push away good relationships, will hold them back in their career, will make them feel worthless. And the feelings they don't want, they don't want to feel alone. They don't want to hate themselves. They don't want to feel lost and confused. The strategies they use create all of those feelings, even though the strategies are designed to prevent them. So I want to talk about why this kind of misfire, this circuitry, backwards, absolutely unsuccessful strategy is applied. It all comes down to this misbelief, this inaccurate belief, a bias, I think we'll call it. We're essentially... The nice guy gives credit to his niceness for all the good things in his life. And all the bad things in his life he doesn't take responsibility for. That goes to the unfairness of the universe. When in reality, the exact opposite is what's true. The good things in his life actually come from the rare times that he isn't being overly nice. And all the bad things that happen in his life, nearly all of them, are in some way a direct result of his niceness. But because he thinks of it the opposite way, because he thinks being nice is the thing that prevents the bad stuff and creates the good stuff, he ends up shooting himself in the face, over and over again, backfiring. And yet he doesn't see this happening because every time a strategy backfires, he blames the universe for being unfair, or he blames it on bad luck. So today I want to really pull apart this bias and help any nice guys listening realize why it doesn't work. Why being nice just doesn't work. And it's not some mistake in your approach. It's not that you're not doing enough of it or that you need to do it a little bit better. It's that you shouldn't be doing it at all. It can't work. Just like running backwards in a race can't win the race. I'll give you some examples to get off the ground. Being nice to people, especially girls, to make them like you. This is probably one of the most fundamental characteristics common to nearly all nice guys. Is 
changing what you really want to say, hiding what you really feel, in order to say or do something that's likely to generate a pleasurable response in the other person. Sacrificing the truth, or not even admitting the truth to yourself, so that you can do or say something that will make someone more likely to like you because they'll be having a positive response to you. So we've got that kind of association where if somebody feels pleasure because of what I've done or said, they'll like me more, which again in itself is not accurate. So we have another bias coming in there. So generally we're kind of hypervigilant. Some nice guys it's with everybody and for other nice guys it's just with specific people that they feel uncomfortable around for whatever reason. Make them feel good because they'll like me. And if that means compromising my integrity, so be it. Now the problem is this looks like it works because of the positive reactions. For example, I used to be really humorous, you know, I used to make lots of jokes. So I would get lots of laughs. I was good at making people laugh. I knew what to say. I I could kind of adjust my humor to my audience. I could be sort of sophisticated, witty humor with my parents, and I could be down and dirty, sick, filthy shit with my mates. And whatever it is, I I knew what would make them laugh, and I could keep them laughing. I get to a point, you know, where they're crying and they have to walk away, and you know, I become like center of attention. That was the type of nice guy I was. Was the the performer, the attention seeker. And so I'd be getting all these laughs all the time, and so my measurement system would simply say, this is working. You know, that hot girl you like, she's laughing. Those guys that you look up to, they're laughing. Everybody keeps telling you how funny you are. And so it looks like the strategy is working. We're going to talk about this a little bit later on, but there's two problems with it. One is it wasn't actually working, and two, I didn't really know what working means. That's a classic one, and we'll talk about why it didn't work later on. But anything you do where you adjust who you are to get a more pleasurable response from the other person with the assumption that that will make them like you more in general, think better of you, talk about you in a positive way, so on. Another classic one is being agreeable to avoid confrontation, prevent conflict. This one, again, it appears to work. Nice guys are often mediators, they're often peacekeepers, They take pride in being what they call easygoing. They even manage to convince themselves that they don't really care that much about anything. Whatever it is, whatever lies they have to tell themselves to avoid actually having to stand up for something and take take their place on one side of the argument. You know, I see both sides of the argument as a classic nice guy statement that they're proud to make, which is really just a cop-out. So I don't want to take a side, is what you're saying even though deep down you do actually favor one of the sides of the argument. The problem, of course, being agreeable all the time is actually what creates conflict. We'll talk about that a bit later on. But in the moment, it appears to be like everyone's getting along and feels good, and therefore you've done a good thing, and therefore you're a likable person. Please love me! Right. And maybe this is the theme that will come up as we go through this is the instant reaction you get appears to be in the category of positive and you think positive equals good and good equals working and that's all wrong i want to plant that in your head right now positive doesn't necessarily mean good good doesn't necessarily mean that things are working well for you in the long run and we'll talk about more of that later on another classic is the covert contract another common thing um, that nice guys participate in. Another common thing that nice guys do 
in friendships and relationships. You expect people to be a certain way, you expect to get things that you want, and you're so entitled to this, you're so sure of this expectation that it's fair and just, that you don't bother to ask or state it directly, you just sit around expecting it and being disappointed when you don't get it. The thing is, you do get it sometimes, so so you might do these little passive-aggressive indirect hints about what you want, and you'll usually be with another people-pleaser or a fixer at the time who will guess that that's what you want, they'll try to deliver it to you because they're trying to get your approval, and you think to yourself, well that worked, my missus didn't want to go to the holiday I wanted to do, so I just sulked for a little while, and now she wants to go to that holiday, so that worked out pretty well. What an effective strategy. Again, it's an illusion that that's actually working. Especially if working means ensuring the security of the relationship long term. It's definitely not working. It's just building up massive resentment. A lot of the time that you get what you want, it wasn't because you were playing this little manipulation, praying to the universe to get what you deserve game. It's actually just a fluke. Just so happened that you got what you want while expecting it. That doesn't mean that your expectations made it happen. In fact, you'll find often with covert contracts that you're often disappointed. Most of the time it doesn't get what you want. But you kind of dismiss that evidence and just think of the few times that being indirect got you what you wanted. Or got you what you thought you wanted. One of the things to keep in mind all the time as a nice guy is to look at your overall life and go, really, is this the best it could be? Anytime you're telling yourself that your strategy is working, that being nice works for you, just ask yourself, really? Does it work? Is this good? Is this the best life? And you look at your life and go, fucking crushing it. I'm on top of things. This, I would be jealous of me if I saw me, you know? Is that what you're really thinking? Or is it more like comfortable and familiar and just getting by? And that's the best. And it doesn't even get that level very often. It's often worse. Another classic one of this sabotage, nice guy, correlation bias thing, strategy, impressing with competence. So high achieving, showing off, doing what you're good at rather than what you love. Constantly trying to make it look like you're very, very competent and very good at what you do. And thinking that this is so-called working because you get a lot of approval. And you get rewards, you know, you might move up in your career really quickly, you might make lots of sales, uh, you might win the dance competition. You get all these signals that say this is working because you're winning, basically. You're the best in the room, you're the smartest person here, you got the gold medal. The problem is, if you're achieving very highly in something that's not right for you, can you even call it an achievement? I mean, how many nice guys do I work with who do really well at their job, but their job's not right for them? A classic career trap for nice guys is to follow the path of least resistance, which means they keep doing what they're good at under the assumption that that's also what's right for them to do. Without ever questioning, is it possible to be good at something that I don't actually like? And the answer is yes, very possible. Is it possible to enjoy something simply because it gets a lot of approval? without actually enjoying the activity. Yes, that's quite possible. I often ask a question to challenge people on their career is, you know, would you keep working there tomorrow if I gave you a million dollars? 
And funnily enough, some people actually say yes, but not for the right reasons. They say yes because work is their source of approval and validation from others. But it's not the work itself that they enjoy. So then I adjust the question. Would you still go back if nobody could see how well you were doing? If you got no praise or validation? If you did the job but nobody noticed, would you still do it? And that gets rid of the few percentage who would still stay after the million dollar paycheck. So you've got to ask yourself that thing that you do really well. Do you like it because of the activity itself? Would you still like it if you were middle of the pack or coming last? Because if the answer is no, then you don't really like it. If you only like it because you're winning, you only like it because it gets approval, then you don't really like it. So how can you say it's working for you to be drawn into doing activities you don't actually like simply because of a neediness for approval from others? Is that really winning in life? And the examples go on and on, and maybe I'll come up with more as we go on. But what happens is we get these feelings of winning. Maybe a girl finally likes you. Maybe you got this job that everyone else says is a good job. Or maybe your body looks a certain way that people go, man, you're looking good. And we go, winning, right? We think that's, that's a success. And we go, why did I succeed? And we go, because I was the way I am. I'm a nice guy. And we kind of seem to forget all the disappointments and misery that comes from being nice as well. All the superficial relationships and rejections and being in a career we don't really like and just doing things because people forced us into them and you know, following that path of least resistance rather than stepping back and going, who am I? What do I really want? Doing that for decades, you know. Just going around trying to impress other people all the time to the point where you can't even remember what you like. But we have these moments of pleasure. I remember the first time I had sex, I was smiling for like a week. I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. I was so happy. Was it because the sex was good? No. My first time lasted about 30 seconds. It was fucking embarrassing. But the validation of getting laid and being able to tell my friends that I was no longer a virgin, that was what made me smile. So is that really a win? Or is that just a pathetic fulfillment of an insecure neediness? Because I tell you what, the hunger came back pretty quickly. I used to joke around it was actually better to be a virgin than to get laid and then not get laid again. Because at least as a virgin you don't really know what you're missing. Once you know what you're missing, it becomes this insatiable hunger. You can never rest again. I think there's some truth to that. All the virgins listening to this, just know that, well, it's not much of a consolation. Once you do get laid, it opens up a hunger that can never be satiated. And you've got to ask yourself if that's really something to get worked up about. But this is the thing, I look back, I was a nice guy, and I finally got laid, and everybody thinks I'm a good person, so I call that a win. Ironically, when I look back at what really happened, is that I got to know a girl for a very long time, and she finally started to see past my nice guy facade, and see who I really was, though there was still a lot of nice guyness going on there. Plus, she was so attracted to me that it really didn't matter how I acted, she would have probably had sex with me as long as I just wasn't a dick. So I can't really credit it to being nice. And all the pleasure I got wasn't actually from the sex itself, though that's what I told myself. The pleasure was from the validation, and the only way I could get that pleasure 
was because I had low self-confidence, which is kind of like a smoker feeling relieved by a cigarette without realizing the stress was caused by the previous cigarette and the withdrawal. So I'd call this a win when really all we were seeing was the symptoms of, of a broken person, of a man or a boy, I guess, who really did not have his shit together psychologically. And yet I'm, I'm looking at that, I'm looking at that mess, that emotional mess, and calling it a win. This is why I call it the kind of bias, attribution bias. Not only did I not really win for the reasons I thought I did, but it wasn't really a win at all. And this is classic of nice guys. They have a sense of pleasure. They think it was a good experience when usually it was a very unhealthy thing that took place. And they give themselves credit for having created that situation by being nice, when more likely the situation happened in spite of them being nice. That the niceness was actually a resistance to the situation happening. Like someone who gets promoted in their career, it's usually not because they're a kiss-ass nice guy, but because somebody was able to finally look past that and see the merit in your work. Or for once you finally promoted yourself and was shameless about how well you're doing, Instead of doing the false humility bullshit thing. So quite often, the win you got was actually because you finally stepped out of being a nice guy. Or somebody was able to see past it and credit the real you for a bit. And was it really a win? And of course the opposite happens. Or I should say the other side of the coin of that is everything bad that happens to us isn't our fault. right? All the many losses that we experience as nice guys. The constant yearning and resentment and bitterness we have about how much better life is for everybody else. We blame the universe. The unfairness factor in the universe is the cause of all that stuff. So we don't take any responsibility for our pain. But we take full credit for our pleasure. Whereas we've already talked about the taking credit for the pleasure is pretty dubious and probably wrong. I tell you what, blaming for the pain is definitely wrong. Every painful experience you've ever had is the end result of every decision you've ever made in your entire life. And that's true for everyone, all the time, forever. Now there is luck. There is an external universe to you that has trillions of variables playing a role in your life. But ultimately, for you to end up in the situation where the thing happens was a series of decisions from the day you were born. Kind of predetermined position that you'd be in. But we don't blame it on being nice. Even though niceness took us to that destination and niceness decided how we'd react to the situation, when it goes wrong we say, that was unfair. When I've been friend-zoning myself with a girl for months by hiding my attraction and pretending to be more interested in her than actually was, and not letting her know that I was sexually interested, and then after months of doing this, I finally make a very hesitant, creepy, sad little move on her, and she says, no, I think that's unfair, right? It's like somebody gambling all their money away and then going, oh, why am I broke? That's not fair. Ridiculous. You generated that situation. The amount of nice guys I know who blame women for their lack of success with women and never look in the mirror and go, would I date me if I was a woman? Like, am I a catch? They actually kind of do that, though. They do say to the head, like, 
you know, I'm a nice guy. I should get whatever. I deserve women because I'm so great. But they never actually take an empathetic stance from a woman's point of view and go, of all the men available, am I the best choice? Like, the guy who can't make decisions and the guy who's fake all the time and the guy has got no fucking balls and would never stand up for you and the guy throws little emo- emotional tantrums when he doesn't get the minorest things that he wants and the guy's so agreeable you don't know where he really stands or anything. Really, he's the best choice available? And when she chooses the other guy, the jerk, right? Got the tats and the motorcycle who treats her like shit in your opinion. You don't really have a look to see if maybe, hey, he's got some fucking balls. And that's attractive. Maybe she knows at least where she stands with him because he's honest. Right? And maybe impresses her with courage. Right? And maybe being disagreeable actually gives you a sense of safety with a person. Because at least you know what they stand for and what they don't. And you know how to interact with them. And when somebody's agreeable all the time, you have no fucking idea where they really stand. So it feels really dangerous to have conversations with them. But you don't think about it like that, do you? You say, no, nah, the universe is unfair. So there's two errors happening here. One is this correlation bias. So giving yourself credit for a win when you shouldn't. And blaming the universe for a loss when you should be blaming yourself. And then a misdefinition, if that's a word, of something working, a success. See, for us, success equals immediate pleasure. Right? That's a nice guy version of success, is I got what I wanted, or even got more than what I thought I wanted. And it felt good. We call that a success. So let's pull apart both of these. In particular, let's start with that later one. Is it really a win that you got what you wanted and it feels good? I mean, I get it. It sounds like a win. I used to think that was a win. You got what you wanted, or you even got something unexpectedly better than what you wanted, and it felt good, and you think, that's a sign that what I did works, right? That that's a good outcome. And yet if you think back over the evidence of those moments, and then go beyond the moment, extrapolate what happened next, and what happened next, and where did this lead, does it still end up as a win? Giving you some classic examples here. A nice guy is very nice to a girl. And she laughs at all his jokes. And she says, oh my god, I can tell you anything. And you're like my best friend. You're like a brother to me. Right? Here's a classic nice guy one. These two girls part of our larger friend group. And they said to me, you know, we've been talking and we've decided that you're our favorite guy here. And I, I felt so good. that I mean, for a nice guy to have two quite attractive girls say that. It was just like, oh, fucking winning. Right? Guess which of those two girls actually became my girlfriend? Neither of them. And yet, they dated other guys in our group. So I'm their favorite guy, but they didn't date me. So why did I call that a win? Both these girls had the opportunity to be with me. They chose other guys in the group after telling me I'm the favorite in the group. So in the immediate moment, it looked like I was winning. These two attractive girls that I was attracted to said I was their favorite. Looks like I'm on top of the world. Months later, they're both with other guys and I'm still alone. Is it still a win? 
Now, were they lying to me? Actually, no, they weren't. But I misunderstood what they said. They did not say, you're the guy we're most attracted to. They did not say, you're the guy we want to be with as a partner. They didn't say those things. That's how I took it, but that's not what they said. They said, you're our favorite. Which is kind of like saying, you're my work husband. You know that whole thing, for those of you who work in the office? Or like, I can tell you anything. Doesn't mean I want to fuck you. It means you're like a therapist for me. Right? So after I'm done fucking the guy I actually like, I'll come and tell you about the problems I have with that guy. But that doesn't actually mean I want to be with you. It's just that guy's not my therapist. He's the guy who fucks me. And you're my therapist. This kind of misunderstanding that nice guys have with women is a classic example of what we're talking about today. The woman says something that you have a great sense of approval and validation. You feel this flush of goodness about yourself and you think, that means she likes me. And in a sense she does, but not the way you think she does. What she's really validating is that your fake nice guy act has genuinely convinced her to like the performance that you're putting on in a platonic way. I don't know how you could possibly call that a win if that's a girl you want to be with. It's actually an absolute loss. What she's really saying is, if you want to be with me, you just fucked it up royally and you can't repair it. It's done. You just ruined all chances with me. But because she doesn't use those words, because she doesn't know even herself that you're being fake, she doesn't know that that's what happened. She's just trying to say something nice to a person that she likes. She doesn't realize that the person she likes does not exist. It's an act. And she doesn't realize that you think like means attracted to, which she does not mean. She's saying I like you like she's saying I like a latte on a Monday. She doesn't want to fuck the latte. She just wants to drink it. She wants to use it. And this is not a derogatory slander of women. You're the one that brought this out in them by being fake in the first place. There's no one here more responsible for this outcome than yourself. And that's why you give yourself credit for winning, because the outcome feels good and you know that you caused it. What you don't realize is you actually just lost, and maybe you would have got a real outcome that you actually liked if you hadn't been such a fake bullshit artist. It breaks my heart to some extent, the number of women who have come to me later in life after the dust has settled and let me know that I actually had a shot with them, but it slowly withered and died on the vine because I was a nice guy. And what I didn't realize is I thought things were escalating with them because their positive responses were getting more and more positive, more frequent. Girls would want to spend more time with me. They laughed more and more at my jokes. They started complimenting me all the time. So I kept doing what I was doing to get more and more of that without realizing that whatever attraction they had for me at the time was just slowly withering and dying behind this positivity. It didn't occur to me. Nobody ever taught me this. Nobody helped me realize that actually if a girl's attracted to you, you're going to get negative reactions from her sometimes. She's going to be offended and disgusted by you. She's going to be angry at you. These are actually signs that the girl's having a vast emotional range. Now, if she only has those around you, then yeah, she doesn't like you. But if she laughs at your joke one second, then is offended by you the next, and then she wants to be with you, and then she can't stand you, these are actually signs of attraction. Nobody told me that. I didn't know that it goes hot and cold. I just thought you just got to keep turning the heat up. A career 
is another way that this plays out. It starts in school, I think. A lot of the nice guys I work with were gifted in some way in school. Uh, Academically talented, like certain subjects were easy for them. They just cruised through to an A or whatever you call the top scores these days. Uh, Or maybe they're good at sports. You know, one of the guys I'm working with at the moment is really good at boxing. And it's not a challenge for him to win fights, right? Whatever it is, you got these different things that you're just naturally good at and you just slip into and within a few months of doing it, you're winning, you know, and you, you clearly excel amongst all the people in your class and so that encourages you to keep going. And it's you, you're so high on being the best all the time that you don't really have time to stop and go, do I even enjoy this? Is this really what's best for me? You know, is this how I want to spend my life? If I wasn't getting approval, would I still want to do this? You don't ask those questions because you're so wired towards approval seeking that as soon as you get approval, you just call the whole situation a win, even if there's a lot of red flags. And so you're doing well at school and whatever, and then of course you naturally slip into some vocation that matches this. Uh, I actually got really lucky where I found psychology in university, but I got into university for all the wrong reasons. Like I was just going down that path of least resistance because I was academically gifted and excelled at school where everybody else struggled. Didn't like the subjects. I mean, I did physics for five years and bored the shit out of me. Surprisingly, I actually enjoy physics now, but the way high school teaches it is fucking dull, right? Anyway, I sort of did well in that. It was actually, I was just in the top class that got assigned the top marks and I was the bottom of that class but it looked like I did well compared to everybody you know and I did really well in English even though I found the books that they chose boring and I hated dissecting books like it if a, even if a book was good as soon as you start looking for motifs and themes and shit it just ruins it it's like having a magic trick like unveiled in front of you so now you don't even like it anymore but I knew what I had to write on the essay and the exam to make the teacher go, oh, it's so insightful, fucking wank wank, and get the A+. And so this led me to a communications degree. I didn't even know what a communications degree was, I just had everyone telling me that I'd be excellent at it. And I saw that there were a lot of hot girls who wanted to be weather girls going into that degree, and that's how I made my choice, right? Now, like I said, I got lucky, I found that there was a psychology paper in that degree that touched me so deeply that I went and changed all my shit to psychology, which is my true calling. And I didn't mind being not the best at it as long as I could just learn about it. But a lot of people haven't had this good luck. The number of nice guy clients I have who are 10 years plus into a career that stinks, but they're good at it, and they get lots of rewards and approval for it, but no meaning. No real joy. No sense of doing something important with their life. Just winning. And after a while, winning loses its flavor. I saw an interview uh, with Dan Bilzerian. He was talking about how he only eats like Michelin star meals. I don't know if he was bullshitting or not, but I think he was telling the truth. But anyway, he's saying he's been eating this like high quality food for so long now that even if he eats like good food it tastes like shit to him he can only eat the best food and doesn't even taste the best anymore it just tastes like like that's his palate now he should eat that like how i'd feel eating a basic sandwich is probably how he feels eating a three-star michelin you know confit duck breast with blah 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 right so in a sense he's kind of fucked because he's getting the best that's available 
and it's only just good enough. And if he goes even slightly down, if he gets a 9 out of 10, it tastes like dog shit to him. So there's really no joy in the win for him anymore, and that's the career of most nice guys, is eventually, for some it only takes a few months, for others it takes years, they get to a point where the winning just has no taste anymore, has no flavour. Then of course we're talking about conflicts, confrontations. See, real messy situations, ugly conflicts, are never the result of a single small event. They are the result of a build-up, either a build-up in the person who overreacts to the event, or a build-up in the relationship that is triggered by the event. So if someone you've just met for the first time randomly blows up at you, that's because they've had a build-up on their own before they met you. But if someone you've known for a long time has a conflict with you, it's probably because of your build-up in your relationship with each other. There's been build-up of resentment, lack of confrontation, that's allowed all these little things to become a big thing. And eventually, you know, the final straw snaps the camel's back, or whatever that saying is. You get into these resentful, messy situations because you allow conflicts to escalate rather than confronting them and putting them out while there's still a small ember. You let them rage into a fire over time. Or you don't deal with your own inner conflict and you bring that to situations and eventually you'll snap. It's called a nice guy puke. Some small thing will make you just blow your top. Either externally at other people or internally you'll go into a massive self-raging depression, self-harming episode. So your strategy is, you know, when you go around being nice and easygoing and peaceful all the time and God, everybody's always so happy around me and maybe you even prevent conflict between other people, you know, you're a mediator. You don't even let other people get angry at all about anything ever with anyone, even if you're not involved. Constantly fixing and intervening without being asked, of course, but you're such a good person, you don't need to ask, right? So you're getting in there, stopping everybody from feeling angry about anything all the time because you think it's bad and it'll make them dislike you and it makes you uncomfortable being around people who feel that way. It makes you uncomfortable feeling that way yourself. And what you don't realize is these things are stacking up. Resentment doesn't go anywhere unless it's spoken about. Anger and bitterness, what you might just call being annoyed or bothered because you're too scared to use the word angry. These little things, they just hang about if they're not expressed. Hang about in your mind. They become memories of the time where you were hard done by. A time when life was unfair and they get added to the other memories. And they kind of get blurred. You forget the specifics. You just get this overall sense that shit is not fair. And it'll either be specific to a relationship, like this person doesn't treat me right. Or just the general universe, you know. I'm constantly getting shat on, I've got bad luck, whatever it is you whatever words you use to describe the situation. And eventually you snap, and the reason you snap is because the brain can only handle so much of this weight before it has to get something off. I mean, it can't carry this much bitterness and resentment and fucking hate without letting out steam, or you'll fucking kill yourself, and some nice guys do. Right? Suicide's pretty common in our group. And it goes the other way, too, because you don't let other people get mad at you they don't get to get shit off their chest. They don't feel safe getting mad at you because, for whatever reason, you'll punish them for doing it by sulking or overreacting or you'll argue them down rationally and make them feel stupid or you'll gaslight them and have them doubting that it even happened the way they think it did and so on. You do all these little manipulation tactics to stop other people being mad at you 
But that doesn't make it go anywhere. They just build it up. Eventually you're like, why is my marriage falling apart and my wife cheating on me and want to leave me? Uh, actually, because you didn't stand up for yourself fucking ever. That's why. And that's the only reason why. It's not bad luck. You didn't have a bad woman in your life, though probably you were both pretty unhealthy if you got together. Because you never get a healthy person with an unhealthy one. But the breakdown of the relationship, you can go ahead and say that's on you. Right? If you did not stand up for all the little things that bothered you, and you did not let them get shit off their chest, you didn't make that safe for them, then the big conflict that happened later is because of that and no other reason. Whatever you think it's about, like, she cheated on me. Well, why did she cheat on you? Why did she have feelings of wanting to be away from you? Why did she have feelings of wanting to take revenge on you? Where did that come from? The cheating is a symptom caused by something. It's not the actual cause. It's the same thing at work. Someone blows up at you or, you know, in your friend circle, some friend suddenly falls out with you. It's not some random lightning strike unless they have dementia or something. It's because of all the little things you didn't say because you're such an easygoing, cool guy who actually is just being full of shit. You get this build-up of superficial relationships from this nice guy strategy. Because you're so busy trying to make a large quantity of people like you, you have to be this kind of agreeable chameleon all the time. You have to like limit yourself to only what is likable, which is a very thin cut of who you are. And some of it's even not even who you are. You just added stuff. You made shit up. So you create this persona that everybody will like, and it requires you to hide everything, and they don't really know this for sure, but they can feel that something's hidden. And because of that, they can't trust you, and they don't feel safe with you. They can't trust you because anybody that agreeable and easy to get along with is just not human, right? It's, it's something alien about somebody who's not bothered by anything. Who only has rational responses to emotionally conflicting situations. The person who just goes with the flow about anything, even though it's clearly an inconvenience for them. There's something very distasteful and untrustworthy about that. It's like they're up to something, which is exactly what's happening. You are up to something. You're conning everybody. They might not know that specifically is happening. They just know something's up. If nothing else, they know there's a limit to who you are. They can't get past the wall. The firewall of agreeableness. They can't dig and go like, come on, let's take you out on the road and figure out who you really are. Because they're just going to get this kind of screensaver. This persona of, of positivity or at least calmness. And they don't feel safe with you because they have to guess what you're feeling. You're not direct. You're too vague and agreeable for them to really trust that what they're hearing is the truth. So they have to go, what does he really think of this? And they have to constantly be like hypervigilant around you. It makes you an unsafe person to open up to. So now they have to be fake with you as well. Unless they're disordered, in which case they'll dump all their shit on you. And you'll just be this like bottomless pit that absorbs all of them and gives nothing back. Very toxic relationship both ways. But generally, they're just going to be superficial around you because you're superficial around them. Simple as that. And then later on in life, you'll be like, fuck, I'm lonely. And it doesn't occur to you to think, oh, it's because I'm fucking nice all the time. Right? Nobody can form a deep connection with me. I can't get any sense of intimacy because I'm never fucking honest. You don't actually take responsibility for that. If right now you don't have a tight friend circle, it's not because life's unfair. 
It's not even because you're a weirdo, because every weirdo can find other weirdos. Right? There's your type of people out there. The number one reason you do not have a tight social circle is because you're fake. There's no other reason. It isn't a luck problem. Right? You're not showing enough of yourself for something to really happen. You're not taking risks of rejection. You're not risking awkwardness or upsetting people so that your tribe can find you and connect with you and feel safe around you. But you might have a lot of people reacting positively to you. So you've got no real friends, but everyone likes you, right? That was my situation. Everybody liked me. So few exceptions to that. And yet, even in a crowd of people who supposedly liked me, I felt alone. And that was for a reason. I didn't actually have any real connection with them. Not really. It's just shared experiences and pleasure, which isn't a connection. You can have that kind of connection with a fucking computer game. So I could keep kicking this horse, but I think we know where I'm going with this. Short-term pleasurable reactions are not a win. They're usually the harbinger, the profit of future doom. It usually means you're doing something that is really not going to work in the long run. Because if you want to talk about success, about something working, then you have to be talking about deep and meaningful relationships. Connections that you actually get great sense of joy and, and meaning out of. A career that's meaningful and satisfying, where you might not be the best in your field, but you feel like you're doing what you're born to do. You feel like you're doing something that contributes, that really uses who you are to the best of you know your ability. And even if no one notices, you feel satisfied. Isn't that more successful than being the best at something that sucks? And of course, your own worth. Rather than looking in the mirror and go, yeah, I've conned people into liking me today. Wouldn't it be better to look in the mirror and go, I like me. Fuck what anyone else thinks, right? Isn't that more like success? Because if that's the success you want, then being nice is the absolute least fucking effective way to get there. Being nice guarantees you just won't get there. Being nice is walking away from those outcomes, not towards them. Being nice is the cause of the problems. Being nice is the barrier to you achieving those goals. Remember, being nice doesn't mean being genuinely generous or kind. It means manipulating people into liking you through behaviours they can't help but enjoy and approve of. If you think of yourself as generous and kind, think, would I do it if no one was watching? Could I do it without taking credit for it? Do I know that that's actually what they want? When I'm so giving, is it what they've asked for? Is it what they need? Or is it what I think would make me feel good? So the general rule for nice guys, if an area of your life isn't going well, it's because your strategy is backfiring. You're either doing the wrong thing for the wrong reasons, or you've mistakenly thought that moments of pleasure were you winning when they're actually warnings that you're losing. And in case it isn't obvious, the best thing you can do, in my opinion, is simply reverse the strategy. Do what makes you proud of yourself, even if it gets a lot of disapproval from others. Do what's uncomfortable now for the long-term results of pleasure. Do what actually works. And when you look back carefully and really think about it without all the bias, just think about the times in your life where things went really well for you. What you'll probably notice is you actually took a break from being nice for a moment. Probably slipped back to being nice right away afterward, but... You know, the few times I did well in my career is because I finally stood up for myself or finally promoted myself 
without shame, you know. And the few times I did well with women is because I kind of went for it. Maybe I was drunk or something. And I was a bit bolder than usual, a bit more direct than usual. You know, a bit less sort of self-sabotaging. This was the big wake-up call for me, is when I look back at the things that were actually good wins in my life, like there were actually a movement towards what I want, good connection with somebody maybe doing something in my career that I actually liked, it actually required me to stop being nice for a second and do something different to usual. But I kind of forgot that I did that and just thought I've been nice all the time, so it must have been because of that. But that's not true. So I encourage you to look back and just ask yourself the question, general question here. Being nice, being a people pleaser, is really the right way of doing things. Then why are you listening to this? Your life should be so satisfying that you don't even need to listen to podcasts. Why would you? You're crushing it, right? You're fucking winning. Why would you be listening to this if being nice has worked out well for you? You wouldn't want your life to be different if being nice was working out well for you. Some of you are actually at that stage. It's kind of self-delusion where you go, oh, I'm so comfortable that I'm winning. Well, give it 10 years. We'll see how you feel. Hopefully you can break free of that complacent comfort before it destroys you completely, but odds are you have to wait for a crisis where you realise it was all bullshit. So on that positive happy note, I'll say goodbye. Thank you for listening. Contact me if you want any further support personally, dan at brojo.org. I'll see you next time. Cheers. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity.